been roughly 760 days since I had my pig line placed, and roughly 400 days since I had a feeding tube placed. Now, <laughs> I actually had to just calculate all of that. I don't keep that on track. I just know the dates roughly, and because of Snapchat, because I Snapchatted um, when I got my pig line. But I still remember getting my pick line, and it terrified me because it was the idea of something being threaded through my veins to my heart. And at the time, I wasn't on social media, and I didn't know anyone else who had a pick line. And so I thought I was crazy and alone and scared. I had no idea what it would entail. Seriously, I, <laughs> I did not realize it was going to lead. Oh my god, can you hear that? That is my feeding tube. Speaking of her, it's like she knows that I talk about her. She's like, oh, you talk about me? Well, here I am. Apparently, I was not plugged in even though I was. So thanks for that feeding tube. But anyways, I had no idea that any of this was... Oh my god. Hang on, I'm gonna have to cut it here and deal with her. Okay. Okay, I fixed it. She had an air bubble, and then I wasn't plugged in, and oh my god. This is how my day's already starting, if the podcast's already starting off with my pump going beep, beep, beep. Oh my god, I hate that noise. There's something I can do now where if there's air in the pump line, I can hear it clicking through the motor. And, like, I'll know that there's an air bubble there. And my my home health nurse that I've talked to, like, that's a little scary, Autumn, that you memorize that. I'm like... No, it's because I sleep next to a pump all night, so. Live, laugh, love. That's the life of having a feeding tube. But anyway, I had no idea that the pick line was going to lead to all of this. I guess I genuinely thought I was going to do my antibiotics and be done. And Lord, God, I I wish that it was happened. I wish that's what happened. My God. Uh, I have... There was a meme I posted where it's like, you get excited. Ooh, I got a diagnosis. And then the next picture is like Ben Affleck looking tired and it's like me after my seven diagnoses and it's like literally I mean that was today is I went to PT and I got actually my ultrasound back from um the uh ultrasound tech for my vascular shoulder thing my thoracic outlet syndrome I can't speak today and it basically says what my mouths tested and understand I've tested positive I have mouths I have three other tests that say I have it, and the ultrasound said that I probably have it, but mm, the tech was being stingy. But anyways, the tech basically said the same thing, is, you know, everything's normal except there is a mild compression at this one part, but it's fine. And I'm like, huh? No, 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 we're not playing that game, not again. Are you serious? So, there's that, that I have to deal with now. And I shot a message to my doctor, and I was like, okay, what do you think we should do? Because right now, I'm in PT, and my shoulder is getting better-ish. But it's only, it's being caused by this extra rib I have in my shoulder. Yes, I have an extra rib, because my body decides to go above and beyond in life. And all we have to do is just take it out. And yes, there'd be recovery time, and there'd be stuff, but it's nothing like mouth surgery that I need to get. So, (sighs) yeah. Um, so yeah, that is my current situation in life, and I'm now actually reading live with you, I'm not going to read it to you, but my doctor basically just said she didn't get the results yet, but I can see them, so I have to send them to her now. Like, I'm, why do we as patients have to do all the work? 
Why? Why do I have to send the results to you? Why do I have to call the clinic to get the results? Why do I have to do all these things? Like, why do I have to jump through the hoops? You're the doctors. And then you wonder why I'm so stressed all the time. And yeah, it's because of you guys. So, we have a great healthcare system. So, um, anyways, I was, I have already gone on a tangent and it's not even halfway even, it's not even, as we're not even anywhere. We're, we're nowhere. Um, but I guess with my pick line is I kind of, I remember when I first got it, it was really difficult. And now it's the one on my chest because they had to change it to the central line. I don't even remember I have it most of the time. The only time that I remember it is sometimes I'll move my arm a certain way and it, I can feel it. When I sleep on my stomach, well, even then I don't sleep on my stomach because of my GJ tube. But, like, I, I'll feel it every once in a while. Or this summer when I wore tank tops, but honestly, I didn't even care then. It was funny because, like, no one noticed. People are so unobservant, guys. Seriously. Like, they'll see, but they won't observe. Like, they'll see that there's a flight of stairs coming up ahead, but they won't see how many steps is there, if that makes sense. Like, they may, like, I learned with my NJ is people, if it makes them uncomfortable, they don't, they just don't acknowledge it. And, or they just don't see it. They're just like, I'm not going to look at it. And with the GJ is I, and the central line is this summer, I was running around with the crop tank top on and sweatpants and going to grocery stores and stuff. And no one, they'll see it. And it's like, they won't acknowledge it or, so you get like three versions. One, someone won't acknowledge it. Two, you'll get, like, a mom who probably, like, smiles at you and, like, looks kind of sad for you. And then you get the people that are going to judge you. But you know what? Fuck them, okay? These devices are there for you to survive. And I don't enjoy having these medical devices. I'm not condoning them. I'm not saying, like, yeah, go out and get yourself a GJ tube. Mmm. But these things are allowing me to live my life in a way that I never was able to before. So I am grateful for them. And I don't see them as a negative. And... It's weird because at first I hated my tubes, but with my GJ, I've been able to eat and drink so much that I've never, ever, since before, until maybe before I got sick. Yeah, I don't really eat food, but I can have so much juice. I can have all these flavors. Before I got my GJ, I wasn't drinking anything because anything I drank would come right back up. So I was at a point where I was drinking like sips of water throughout the day and that was it. And it would cause me so much pain. So I am grateful for these devices, and I'm grateful for my t- for my pick line because it can provide me antibiotics and hydration, and these things I also didn't wasn't able to tolerate or get before. So it's it's a give and a take, right? Because I'm I hate them and I don't like them, and I wish sometimes I was medical device free, but I'm also I have to be incredibly grateful for them, and I have made I don't know. This is just probably a me thing because I, but I am just. I'm glad that I'm able to survive, and I'm glad that I'm alive, because there was a time that I thought I wasn't going to be alive, and I'm glad that I'm able to be alive now. I mean, God, I can ride horses again. I can, and yes, I have bad days 99% of the time, but just to be able to sit in my room and drink some orange juice and drain it is the best feeling in the whole entire world, because at least I'm not in pain with, with that. So, anyways, that was another tangent, but I didn't really know what I signed up for. I wasn't aware of how much trauma my body was going through and how much my body was going to start failing me exponentially in the next three years after getting my pick line. Two years, I guess. I had no idea that my life was going to kind of collapse in on itself. And 
the, you know, I still remember that day when the pig line. We came home and I made fish and pasta and I ate it. And I had no idea that that was probably, that I should have really not taken that for granted. And it's stuff like that that I just, I wish that I could go back and be like, don't take this for granted. There's like a thing where it's like, what would you tell your past self if you could? And I'd go back to the little girl sitting on the kitchen counter eating mac and cheese and say, enjoy that shit, bitch. Enjoy it. Because she can't now. But I am just, I don't know. I'm, it's bittersweet because I, it's like the Taylor, we're going to go back to Taylor Swift again. So get ready, guys. Put on your Swifty hats. But it's like the song, Goodbye. Um, bigger than the whole sky, because she's like, goodbye, 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 you were bigger than the whole sky, you were more than just a short time, and I've got a lot of pine about, and I've got a lot to think about, it's never gonna be, it could have been, would have been, should have been you, and I feel like a lot of people who are chronically ill can relate to that, because we feel like we have to say goodbye to the person we thought we were gonna be, we have to say goodbye to the life we thought we were gonna have, I did not think I was gonna have to when I was 16, 17, (laughs) move to California and uproot my entire life, drop out of high school completely, don't do school, don't do anything, and just try to fucking fight for my life. And then find out, oh, not only do you have Lyme disease, but now you have to fight for your life in a different way. And I know there are people in so much worse situations, and my heart goes out to them because I feel so bad sometimes talking about my problems because I feel like they're so insignificant and stupid. And that anyone, no one signed up for this. No matter how, whatever your illness is, whether it's POTS or MALS or any autoimmune disease or cancer or something like that. And no one signed up for any of this. And it's just feels impossibly awful because it's like your life can change on a dime when you're sick. And that is so, it's traumatizing because there's some days where I feel so great that I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm, I'm fine. And then there's days where I can't literally sit up because I'm in so much pain. And it's, we have no gauge on when it gets better. We have no gauge on, oh, well, Thursdays and Fridays, I feel good. So I'll look forward to them. I mean, we have gauges on like, okay, we know I take a medication at this time. So maybe that might make me feel worse or better. Like, I know this Friday I have another iron infusion, so I know I'm going to be in a lot of pain again, which I'm dreading, which is, like, a whole other anxiety. I'm literally going to cry, so we're not going to talk about that because I have to do it. Um, But it's, like, things we have literally no idea what's going to happen, and it's crazy. And it's especially hard, too, around, like, holiday season because you have things to do and family to see or whatever, And you can't always, you have to take time for yourself. And that's incredibly hard. Last year when I first got my NJ and my SMAS was getting really, really, really bad. um, We went to a friend's house for Thanksgiving, but it was like a day, a week later because they had COVID or, no, it wasn't COVID. It was like a month later. Yeah, because we did it in December. um, And it was like our Thanksgiving and we made pizzas and stuff, but I I, I didn't want to eat any of it because I was going to be in so much pain. I was going to probably vomit it up. I remember just laying on the floor while everyone was eating and just trying not to cry because it's like, first of all, they had made this food for us. They had done all of this for us and I couldn't 
appreciate it. I could just say thank you so much. And it's heartbreaking. It's incredibly heartbreaking when you feel like you can't fit in, but also do the things that your body is naturally meant to do. I mean, we are, that's how we survive is we eat. And I mean, duh. That's why if I don't do my tube feeds, I lose a bunch of weight. I mean, you know, and it's just hard because it changes because there's some days where I feel like I could eat and then I do and then I regret it. So, you know, we don't talk about those days because I forget that my body is broken. But I just, it went from zero to 60 very quickly in my life. And the worst part is, is there was a time where I was handed a glass of hope and then someone tipped over the glass. And I've told my mom, it's not that I don't have hope anymore because I have good doctors, I have a good plan, I have a like care plan, but I also don't have hope anymore. I just kind of am drifting on the wind because I'm like, it's no expectations, right? Because I'm just... There's nothing I want to get my hopes up for because it could change. Clearly, we were expecting to be in California for a year. I do my antibiotics and I come home and I get back to school. And it turns out it led us down the rabbit hole of the SMAS diagnosis, then hospitalization, and the MALS diagnosis going to John Hopkins. I mean, I missed my senior year because we were traveling to John Hopkins most of the time just to get a diagnosis and help. And that is not how I expected to spend my, at least my senior year. So, I guess it's just, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I have really good memories. During that time in California, my mom was working. She was a tutor, and she was also trying to get her master's. Um, and so, we would have a limited time in the day to go do something. And we tried to make it that every once a week we would go do something just to you know, keep us both mentally well, because we both missed home, we missed our dogs, well, we had the dogs, but we missed my brother, we missed life at home in the way that it was, and so there was one, it was like a really hot day in San Jose, even though it was like fall, I remember it was like, no, was it? It had to at least been August, I think, and we went and got Pete's, and we drove to this Japanese garden in San Jose, And there were koi fish and little, um, like, lizards. And it was so hot. Oh, my God. Because I I still do. I wear sweatpants religiously. One, because they fit me. Um, I can't really find a lot of jeans and leggings that fit me flatteringly right now because of obvious reasons. And so I was wearing sweatpants. So I was really hot. But it was so fun because my mom brought her camera. And she was trying to catch pictures of this dragonfly. And I was in so much pain. I remember wheezing and, like, just it was really bad. But I also had so much fun with my mom that I don't think I would regret that memory, I think. And, but all of these things, all these bad things had to happen to me for those good things happen. And I think, too, it just, I'm also kind of, if you can tell, I'm like literally been trying not to cry this entire episode, my god. Um, But the whole like thoriastic outlet syndrome thing really kind of triggered me because it reminded me of all the times... Doctors have told me, and this is, I hate this phrase so much, not significant enough. Your results are not significant enough for a diagnosis. And that's what they told me about my mouths. 
that's what they told me about my smas that's what they told me about my lyme disease lyme disease is known not to show up on the hygienics markers lyme disease is shown known to not show up on the testing because if you have chronic long-term lyme disease it digs into your cells and it, beca- it mimics you okay like i am very lucky that my babesia actually showed up on a test and only one band of lyme showed up for me but some people don't have any bands and they have the most severe lyme ever okay and then with the mouths, sometimes the mouse doesn't show up on any testing at all. Any testing. And yet it still is there. And same thing with SMAS, okay? So it's just like, how can you say it's not significant enough when I'm sitting here in so much pain that to me it is very quite significant? And that's what it felt like is sometimes I feel like this whole journey is not significant enough because I feel like Yes, it's got his answers, but where's the time and where is anything? And was any of it worth it anyway? I mean, my mom and I have agreed that if we left, if we stayed in the first hospital that thought it was anorexic, they probably would have kept me there for six months, almost killed me, and then just released me when I was eating fine, and I would have would have ended up somewhere down this path anyway. And same thing with the other hospital, the second hospitalization, even though they released me, is that, like, they would have, I mean, if we had stayed in that system, they probably would have just kept sending me to the psychiatrist. I still remember, after they released me, they sent me to a psychiatrist to see, and I went and I saw him, and he was like, so your pain is gone, right? I said, no, I'm in a lot of pain right now. I don't feel any better. And he's like, well, you got discharged, so, you know, your pain should be better, you should be better. And I was like, no, nothing has changed. Nothing is better. They just couldn't help me, and they didn't know what to do about it. And that's heartbreaking, too, is when you feel like they don't, they abandon you. Is when you feel like your doctors literally just abandon you. I mean, this has happened to me many, many times. My most recent was my GI at the last hospital that diagnosed me with SMAS in California. I started telling him my SMAS is getting worse, and he literally just stopped messaging me back. Like, okay, thanks. And, like, it's incredibly hard because it's like, am I just not worth living? Am I not, is my life not worth anything to you? That you don't even want to help me? And it's just, it's something that never should happen to anyone. Period. You should never feel, like, alone. You should never feel like no one wants to help you. Because that is really fucked up (laughs) period (laughs) i mean there's not really much else to say about that (laughs) like i remember feeling so hopeless and we were incredibly lucky that john hopkins was able to get us in but we expected a six months wait with john hopkins and we were just like you're just gonna have to sit with this and no one should have to do that untreated with their extreme pain nausea symptoms or just symptoms whatever they are and that's messed up too Jeez. I think, too, that the most messed up part about all, about this in general, general, is that I'm not alone. Like, I see it all the time. There's so many people, you might even be one of the people I've seen if you're listening to this, where you're like, yeah, my, D, my GI doctor or my doctor has dropped me or says he can't help me or says, or she says she won't do this. And it's like, why? Why would you do that as a doctor? Instead of being like, I can't help you, but here's someone I think who can. Instead, you just say, bye-bye. Okay. 
and I think like there's also this meme that was on TikTok several months ago now I haven't been on TikTok in a while so I'm I'm old now um but it was like uh Bo Burnham's song how is our best case scenario Joe Biden and usually people would post like how is this best the best case scenario right and someone and I did mine and it was like oh my god you're finally healthy and you're getting nutrition and your hair's so long and pretty and I was like how is my best case scenario having a feeding tube and and a pick line like that is the only reason that my hair is the way it is that's literally the only reason that I'm alive right now but it was because of doctors for years telling me that nothing was wrong so my symptoms significantly de- I declined and my my symptoms got worse if I had been diagnosed possibly even when we very first started this journey, my Lyme might not be as chronic. I may not need, like, as much feeding tube. Because some people with mouths don't need feeding tubes. Some people with mouths don't even need the surgery. Some people, I mean, everyone is different, right? But I also weighed more then, so I may have never even developed a SMAS. Because my symptoms never would have gotten so bad that I would have lost all the weight. And it's like, how is that our best case scenario? How can you let this happen? How can you do this to us? And that is, in and of itself, awful. Like, I currently, right now, I have to message my doctor back after this and send her the results. Um, I'm probably going to have to have an appointment with her. But, like, I really like her. She is working with my shoulder. But she saw me come in with a feeding tube bag. And she's like, clearly you have other issues going on. So I want to get this fixed because you deserve to have a good life. And you deserve to have one less problem in your life. And I'm like, who are you? Sorry if that was really loud. But, like, I've never had a doctor say that to me. Ever. Ever. Even my really good ones at John Hopkins. And it's like, what the hell? Where did planet did you come from? But more doctors should be like that. More doctors should want to help you. And not just... I feel like there's a difference between helping and fixing. Doctors just want to fix you. They just want to get you better and get you off their table. And there's doctors who want to help you and actually figure out what's going on. And I feel like that was when I went to my first hospitalization is they just wanted to fix me. They were like, you have anorexia, we'll fix you and get you home. Bye. And clearly that didn't work out because I'm here now. So yay. But like, come on. Like, I think for anyone anyone could relate to this but it's also just nobody wants to be alone right no one wants to ever be told that they can't be helped and I think that's the biggest thing is throughout all of this journey is I always just thought no one was going to help me anymore that's why my Lyme doctors have been like my light and savior because they were like no we know what's going on and we want to help you and we will help you and that's all I ever wanted and I feel like that's what some of us all just want is just the assurance that you're not gonna die the next day and honestly it's not fair that that's all we want I mean all I want is also to get better and heal and all I want for Christmas is a cure I saw that today on Instagram but it's true. I just want this all to end sometimes. But I also really enjoy my life right now. And like I said, I wouldn't give up the memories that I have from being in California or even going to Baltimore. And 
getting stuck in DC in the cold, the negative, the 20 degree weather that we did not expect and I did not wear clothes for. And we actually ended up having to get me a sweatshirt. And then it was like so cold. We didn't actually end up seeing any monuments because I was standing on the street in my feeding tube backpack shaking so much. But my mom and I were having so much fun that I wouldn't take those memories back. I wouldn't take back the memories of, there was a place in San Francisco Newer in Newark, so like Inner Bay, East never West Bay, um, near Sacramento, um, that we call the hot place because it's in the mountains, it's in the hills, and in the summer and in the spring it would get up to like a hundred degrees out there. There were cows and turkey vultures, and it was so quiet. And we used to drive out there with the dogs, and I don't regret those memories. So I feel like with being chronically ill is there's a lot of time that is lost, but also peace with it. And you kind of have to make peace with it. I mean, I try. Except then when I'm screaming and crying and throwing shit at the wall. But we don't talk about those times, okay? I am handling my emotions somewhat well, like I'm talking them out on this podcast. So I can talk to you about my mental problems and feel like I'm not crazy. It's a win-win, and maybe you might not feel crazy either in the grand scheme of things. Um, also, by the way, before I go, because this episode's going on a little long, is... No, it isn't. Okay, I'm stupid. Um, but the shoulder velocities, if anyone has ever gotten a MALS ultrasound or duplex vascular duplex ultrasound, you know about the velocities, right? And my velocities on my ultrasound were within the mal's range and it did say on the end celiac uh, artery is compressed now for my shoulder is it that everything was fine except one of the arteries was elevated i mean the arteries the velocities was elevated in one part of my arm where the, the bone is and and um that there was a mild compression but nothing is wrong guys nothing is wrong oh <sighs> Anyways, I think I'm going to call this episode Nothing is Wrong. If you listened this far, I'm sorry. These episodes are getting shorter, but also this was kind of on a whim episode because I'm annoyed and I'm cranky. And it took me, if you've been following me on Instagram, it took me like three weeks to get this ultrasound and we had it last month because no one could find it. So I'm glad to have it. Now I just want someone to take out the bone. And by the way, the bone is reserved for my two friends. Um, so when they take it out, they're, I'm going to ask to save it, because I want it, if they take it out. But if they do, I'm going to save it, because it's my own bone. I should be able to. I got to keep my GJ when they swapped it out. So, anyways, no dibs, guys. My friends have already claimed it. Um, oh, and lastly, I have still been drinking orange juice. My tube has been kind of finicky today and draining. Like, it's been really, like, hard and hard to drain because I think there's just a lot of air from I started taking my candida killing medication so there's been a lot of air in my stomach and it's been really painful and I've been rushing to the bathroom a lot um but I think the main juice that I've been having is I've been having kombucha again because kombucha helps my stomach pain stop so health a tangerine passion fruit kombucha now I know kombucha can sometimes be really bad it has that apple cider vinegar taste not this one it's a little sweeter because of the passion fruit definitely recommend um 
it's like two bucks on Amazon Fresh, and at Whole Foods, it's like five. So if you want cheap, com- cheaper kombucha, that's where you get it. Anyways, thank you for listening this far, and I am sorry you had to again. Um, also, I'm sorry for the last episode because I was really down and sad and mentally ill. Mentally, I think my mental illness really show. So maybe this one was a little more fun because, like, I don't know. Maybe I'll add more stories. I don't know. Okay, I have to go. Actually, I really have to go now um, because my medication is activating. So, bye!